From field to table and flame to fork, the pursuit of the outdoor connection is ingrained deep within one's spirit. The draw to the flame of a campfire is felt from around the world. Why do we hunt? Pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. So just after 11 o'clock here on the Pacific Coast. So what does that make it where you are, Bree? Two o'clock. And Jan, you're in a different time zone altogether as well. One o'clock. Oh, good Lord. I don't know how to keep track of you guys <laughs> other than via text messages. So how's everybody doing? Good. Wonderful. You you look smiley, Bree. That's a that's a good thing to see. I get to talk to you for an hour. And Remy's here. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even notice her hanging out on the back. Hi, Remy. She's just doing the Remy my thing. My shadow, so she's everywhere Mama is. If she's not bouncing around, she's on your lap or she's sleeping, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is episode 18 of the Campfire Conversations for One Campfire. And uh, I, I could say you're a bit of a special guest. You're After a couple of years of knowing each other, we, we call each other BFFs now. Mm -hmm. This is actually titled the BFF episode. So... Welcome, Bree. It would be like brother from another father. Ooh. That, that, that <laughs> works. That works. There's some t-shirts to be made there, yeah, I think, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> so appreciate you taking some time out of your day. We'll, we'll, uh, for, for those that don't know I, I know, I know some stuff about you. Jan knows some stuff about you. and But I, I'd like to think that there's some people out there that might not. So mm -hmm. for those that don't know... Let's dig into a little about a little bit about you. Who are you and where are you calling us from, et cetera, et cetera? I am Bree Van Scotter. I am in Georgia and I am a professionally trained chef who turned into a hunter. Did not think that is where my career was gonna go. I thought I would be in um, Michelin starred restaurants, fine dining for my whole career, and here I am, and now I'm very passionate about sourcing my own food, growing my own food, um, really getting the word out to get people to eat better food. Um, so that's why I created Wilderness to Table. And it has now become this little project that I just wanted to show what you could do with wild game ended up turning into uh, cookbooks and a TV show and, and everything else that's come. So it's been such a fun ride. So now I am a wild game chef and I specialize in wild game and really love to inspire people to get outdoors and really get in touch with the roots of where their food comes from and ultimately hopefully to inspire them to make better decisions like when they're in the grocery store so yeah that's kind of wilderness to table <laughs> so what was what was the transition like for you from from working in these 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 restaurants and being a chef to basically you, you get stuff uh, delivered to you there in either in primals or in packages. Mm -hmm. And what, what was, what was the transition that made you say, you know what, this isn't for me. I, I want to start sourcing my own food. How did that look for you? Um, it was actually when I was in culinary school, when I was in, I was up in Napa in culinary school and I was working like an after event for one of my um, chefs, my chef teachers, and I was helping her with an event and I had met the farmer who we were cooking his chicken and lo and behold, his farm was right next to my apartment and then I made such good friends and the next day I was at his farm a week later, he gave me uh, a dozen eggs and I had put them in the incubator and I hatched them. I would go after class, after school, and go and rotate them. And then sure enough, they were big enough to, you know, I had them as as chicks. I saw that I raised them as chicks and then would go after school and put them on different pastures so they could eat in different parts of the field, like truly organic chicken. And the time came and I slaughtered my chickens that, like, I loved so much. I'm a huge animal lover, so, like, it was one of those moments that you in that moment you truly learn to appreciate the life that's given to feed our life and it made me appreciate my food so much more and I think almost every chef maybe it's not for everybody but 
when you have a piece of meat in your hands, even if it came from a package as a chef, you should treat it with the utmost respect because that that was a life and it's hard to take. Um, it's not easy. And so when I had to slaughter my own chickens, it was that moment that I realized I wanted to be more connected with my food and I wanted to know where my food came from. And I wanted to know that my food had a better life because I've also done work for big um, factory farms. And so I've seen exactly where our food is mass produced. And while I believe we need to mass produce to feed the masses, we should also be doing it in different ways that honor the life of the animals that we take to, to nourish us. So they should be, we should have better conditions and everything like that. So it was the moment after I slaughtered those chickens, I literally went home and cooked one, uh, cooked a whole chicken in my apartment and I sat on the floor at my kitchen crying, eating my chicken because it was like the most delicious chicken I've ever had in my life. And then crying because like I was cuddling him three days late, like her three days earlier, you know? So it truly gives you a, a, a very <laughs> good sense of the circle of life and to appreciate it so much more than we we take for granted and a lot of us is like ah oh, it's a burger you just you kind of disassociate where the food came from and i think a lot of people might not be eating mcdonald's all the time if they knew exactly <laughs> how that was made and maybe they would just respect it more and i'm not asking people to be vegan at all or vegetarian i'm just want to inspire them to choose better options whether it's through hunting or making cha making changes in the grocery store because that's ultimately how we are going to affect um, changes in our food supply. And, and, and so if we make a demand for better raising, you know, having better quality raised animals, then they're going to have to change for that. So that's my TED Talk for today. Thank you for attending. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's a great point. A lot of people don't realize that that burger in their hand was once alive, right? Mm -hmm. no, matter, no matter what stage uh, it, it's in, right? It, whether or not it's a, a veggie burger or uh, one of those meatless patties or chicken or whatever, something had to die in order for us to continue to live. And that was a huge inspiration for me when I got into hunting probably 20 years ago. I was an adult onset hunter and it was, I, I realized that I was missing that connection mm -hmm. and that there was an aha moment where I remember I was at work with a old buddy of mine and he, he was a hardcore hunter and he came to me and he said, do you want to try this deer chop? And I went, no, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. It was kind of a reconciliation there in my head of, but that's a deer. And then I tried it and I went, Oh, it's a delicious deer. okay. This isn't, this isn't so bad. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting into the conversation about it. And because they honestly, you see it in the media all the time in pop culture that hunters are generally portrayed in a negative light. And it's all about the kill and going out there and blasting the biggest, meanest animal in the bush and taking the pictures and the meat gets wasted. Right. Correct. And through conversations with him, I, I realized quickly that that wasn't the case and I got my hunting license and he said oh let's go hunting and I went oh okay and I ran down to Walmart and I bought the the Remington camo and grabbed a rifle and had no idea what I was doing but I remember sitting in the cut block I didn't know to sit on the edge I was sitting right on in the middle of it on a, on a stump knowing nothing but just I sat there for two hours and just watched the woods come alive I didn't even pick up my rifle mm -hmm. it was just wow, there's something to this. And I, I realized really, really quickly in the first hunting trip that what I was chasing wasn't the animal. It was that connection to, to nature. yeah, to, to nature. And that's essentially what I, I noticed about you when we, we first started chatting on Instagram a couple of years ago. And it was, there, there was something different about your channel. You, you see it all the time. Uh, get into a, some of these, uh, we'll call them influencer channels mm -hmm. where they're sitting in a blind and there's a pile of bait or they're whatever method they're choosing. They're looking for the biggest 
baddest animal and they're high-fiving and there's no real story told mm-hmm. and some of your stuff there i i remember there was a picture of you you're kind of out of focus in the back and you're in your whites and you're holding a fish forward right <laughs> yeah. and like that's not something you expect on what what seems to be a hunting page and we started messaging and got to know each other and here we are a few years later and it, it was a nice change. It, it really is. You, you see it too often in social social media that that connection seems to be missing. I don't really, I really like, like to like glorify it. my kills no. either because to me it's a precious thing and I still took a life. I'm not going to use mm-hmm. another life for Instagram likes. Like it yes. just... It, but I will show you the meal on my table because that's ultimately how that animal goes to live on in, in me and my family. But I'm, I'm, yeah, my mindset is completely different than, oh my God, look at me. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's almost like the battle as hunters trying to do good that we have to face is people who glorify kill shots will do anything for it, even unethical shots. It's really makes it's really makes me upset but and then people doing it for instagram and Mm -hmm. your life is about food and eating and it's not about that (laughs) and i appreciate that you said you cried i can't Mm -hmm. tell one time that i haven't cried um or you know whether it's my girls or jeff or a buddy you know that you know moment of prayer Um, and also, you know, usually I'm just like bawling because one, the adrenaline, but also that you've been given this wonderful gift and you don't want to take, um, you don't want to take advantage. Exactly. Yeah. I I hate to say, I'm glad that you sat in your apartment and cried, but also (laughs) it just kind of makes it, you know, people need to understand that, that it is, it's very emotional. Oh, I've cried on many hunts. So Steve, don't be afraid of you seeing me because it's still, you're like this beautiful, majestic animal comes out and then like it's down and then you touch it and you feel it and it's still warm. I mean, that's a, I mean, it's, I'm not a monster. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not out there wanting to kill everything. So it's still like, you still feel really bad, but really thankful at the same time. And so, yeah, I am a crybaby. (laughs) Oh, I I don't know of a single big game animal I've taken where I haven't paused for a moment of reflection Mm -hmm. and said a a, a silent little thank you to the animal. Exactly. And I've even, I, I, you've heard, both heard the story about my buddy that I grew up with that, uh, lives in urban environment and now five years later has his hunting license and has taken a couple of bears, mm-hmm. right? You, you guys have heard that yeah. one. And when we first got a bear together, it was his, I walked up to it and I was kind of petting it and I was saying a thank you to it out loud. And he said, what are you doing? I said, remember that 30 seconds ago, this thing was alive and you just took its life and your life can continue because it ended. So this is what I do. And there was a light bulb that went, whoa. And he now does the same thing. It's something I pass on. If if you don't have 15, 20 seconds to, to pause and reflect (laughs) Mm -hmm. over the, the, the finality and the the gravity of the situation that you just caused, you, I, I don't think you're in it for the right reasons. Right. Right. I'm, I'm not saying everybody has to sit down and say a prayer and get into it deep, but a simple thank you for, mm-hmm. for, for what you were about to, to do for me and my family goes exactly. a long way mm-hmm. and it helps, it helps me and others to, to connect a little deeper on a spiritual level mm-hmm. because I can, every piece of wild game that's in my freezer over the last 15 years, I could say how that hunt went down, start mm-hmm. to finish, not just the trigger pull or how big that animal was, but I could tell you where I was, mm-hmm. who I was with and what the, the shot looked like and what I was thinking up until that moment, how I felt at the moment of the trigger pull, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it, that's just, it, it's just who I am. And I think it's who a lot of hunters truly are on the inside is 
you, like we've just touched on, it's we're not monsters, as you said, Bree. Mm-hmm. Right? We're we're not. We're we're just somebody who cares a little bit deeper than others do on sourcing our food and knowing where it comes from. Right. So that's just that's just my thoughts on it. I agree. <laughs> so speaking of wilderness to table, you're going through a big rebrand right now. Yes, I am. So let's talk about that a bit. Um, I. You know, when I started Wilderness to Table, I didn't. It was not making money at all. Like, I, I didn't even think that was something that I was going to be able to do full time. And now here I am, full time. And so now I'm finally investing back into my company and creating this site that, like, I've always wanted. Has a very European feel. It's much more of a site where I I wanted it to feel that anyone whether you're a vegetarian or non-hunter or hunter or whichever can come and appreciate self-harvesting food, whether it's from your garden, from out foraging or, or hunting. That's, I just kind of wanted to give them a beautiful space to see it in a different light. And so I think that is something that's really going to come through with the new rebranding. And I have a love for like British hunts like back in the day you know like I just freaking love that era like I'm a history nerd and so it's very like a crest and very European so I'm very excited about it <laughs> she's all <laughs> growing can... she's growing up <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. the table <laughs> <laughs> gotta evolve right yep she's gotta, getting gotta elegant <laughs> even though you're not you're, you're evolving forward you're aging a hundred years back. I know, right? <laughs> <It's, Yeah. laughs> when can we expect to see that go? Oh my gosh. So the coder has a few more in a few more things we got to work out and I have to uh, write up a few, a few more like missing um, pages because what we're doing now is there's like a field guide and it tells you like where you can hunt pheasant and where you can hunt deer, foraging, what you can forage for, what are my favorite things to forage for, what tools you need. So it's more, it's very um, educational and there's like a hunting guide and it tells you about whitetail and kind of things you need before you get out and hunt, like your license and things like that. And um, so I'm trying to create a resource for hunters and non-hunters um, to just come. So you, whether you don't want to pick up a gun or, or a bow or and and go after an animal you can still come and look for uh foraged items and and things like that so i'm trying to encompass everything that goes on your table not just kill shots all the time so to speak but it should be coming out hopefully (laughs) mid-september we're like almost there it's two weeks okay maybe end of september Have you done a European hunt? No, not yet. I have not done a traditional European hunt. It is on my bucket list. Oh my god, I would just die. Like I want to wear. I got like Beretta has decked me out. I already have the gear. I'm already. <laughs> I just need to go. <laughs> yeah, she wants a red stag. Same I as me. do, and I would love to do like a fox hunt, like a traditional on horseback fox. Oh, fox hunt! I would just die. I would just. Have you eat, have you eaten stag? I have yes. Oh, it's delicious. It's very, very good. Actually, on season two, I did get a red stag, but obviously not in Scotland, where I would prefer to be. (laughs) So I will get another one. (laughs) Road trip. (laughs) Yeah, road trip. It's going to be a long road trip, but we'll we'll make it happen. (laughs) So what's your favorite thing to forage? You mentioned that. Ramps. Especially here in the south, ramps. Um, Yeah. It's a very short season. It's only about a month long. And so uh, they are fabulous. I try to get as much as I can um, because they're kind of like a garlic onion hybrid. And they are, they just make everything so amazing. It's like the truffle of onions. Like I freaking love them. I pickle them. I make pesto. I do as many things to preserve them throughout the year as I possibly. I have some in my freezer, the bulbs. Um, I make ramp butter, ramp salt. I mean, it's, they just are heavenly. (laughs) (laughs) You almost went on like a forest gump type ranch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fried ramps, deep fried ramps. Grail them. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> this is why we're friends. <laughs> we think on the same thing. Yeah, we don't. Well, we do get ramps up here, but I've never actively looked for them because, well, they're tiny little green shoots out of the ground. Yeah. I see people doing it all the time. Here they get not... big, so they're it's oh because I think it's probably because of the heat. But right. they get so they're actually easier to spot, which does make them fun, more fun to harvest because you're like, oh, they're everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, just down the road, like literally a three minute walk at the end of our street, we get into the huckleberries and the high bush cranberries, and there's mushrooms in there. It's, we got like a, a, a public land forest. Like we store. Call it, <laughs> yeah, we call it crown land up here, but you guys call it public land, right? Uh huh. Same, same sort of thing. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, you'll see when you're up here. <laughs> well, maybe we'll try and squeeze in a day or two for mushrooms, but be it'll fun. be fun. It'll be real fun. Yeah. So what was your first trip outdoors and what, what did that uh, sort of spark look like when it, it lit under you to say, Hey, this is what I want to do. Oh, like, well, I would say I was, I was imparted with the love for the outdoors since I was a little kid. I grew up horseback riding with my mom and motorcycle riding with my dad. My dad was a professional saltwater bass angler, so I grew up with a strong love for the ocean. Um, if I could be anything, I'd be a mermaid. Um, so that, that's where I really developed my love for the outdoors. And then um, my first hunt was for like I got a doe out here in Georgia that was my very first hunt after like I picked up a bow and at a sporting goods store and six months later I was out I'm like because it clicked I was like in the sporting goods store I'm like why am I not just hunting for it myself and then six months later I was because I was born and raised in California and that's not really acceptable so in Georgia it is very much accepted (laughs) So you were you were an adult then when you took your first big game? Yes, yes. I was not raised hunting. My mom was like yeah. a PETA donating, you know, person. Like we don't, she doesn't want to kill animals. She loves them, um, that type of thing. So, yeah, it was not until I was the black sheep of the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me that your mom was quite on the other opposite end of the spectrum than us, and it was a uh, wow. Was, what does mom think about it now? Um, I mean, she, uh, she has actually, my mom surprises me all the time. Every time I think she's going to react one way, she does the opposite, which is wonderful. Um, so she has actually embraced what I do. She doesn't want to do it herself. Um, she understands why I do it and respects why I, respects why I do it. Um, I don't show her like kill shots or like rub it in her, or I don't, I don't post many of those anyways because that's not what it's about but so she actually has truly understood and I've she's eaten some of my wild game and I had my I think my sister yeah my sister was here with her nephew or my her her nephews my nephews her three sons and I had my mom and dad and everybody over my house and I served um the axis buck that I took and I had like slow roasted the leg all day and it was one of like the best moments to to show like I remember my nephew he had watched that episode when I got the access buck and he was like so proud of me and so like that was probably the best wild game dinner I've ever had with like my family and they all loved it and my nephew was like oh my god like Auntie Bree like and you know making him so proud and so they've they've all come to um not I wouldn't say love they don't (laughs) but I respect and appreciate what I do so it's been awesome. That's that's good to hear. I, as you know, like I said, I I didn't grow up hunting, and I remember the first few times my mom. She lived in Lower Mainland. Now she's up here. She came into the house, and it'd be well. What are we having for dinner? And and you'd just see a little bit of trepidation, and she'd be like, "Did you kill this? Did you <laughs> kill this? Is this something you took? Yes, it is. Okay, just don't tell me what it is." Don't yeah. tell me what it is. <laughs> so there's an acceptance, as you said, there's an acceptance now. I, I don't think they necessarily, well, her necessarily likes it, but she accepts and realizes that, well, you know what? Chances are if we're going over to his place for supper, it's it's uh, an animal. He's Not a cow. In. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, first time, I, I, I want to say it was moose. And she said, well, what are we eating now? And I 
pointed above her and she went, Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a, uh, <sighs> if I want to come over and, and hang out, I, I've got to at least be willing to try. Right. And, and I know she's not a huge fan of bear. She's tried it, mm-hmm. but she do realizes that that's a staple here. Right. In, in this house. And it's, it's, it's who we are, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if, if you want to truly connect, that's the way to do it, right? It's, I was just in Iceland and you were. they eat puffin and they eat whale. And I love whales. I will never personally hunt one, but I tried yep. it because it's actually, you learn, and I tried the puffin, which was actually very good. Um, yeah. So it's, you also learn so much about a culture mm-hmm. via what they eat, which is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, speaking of that, uh, a friend of mine is actually coming up from the mainland. They're doing some shooting this weekend, a competition, and she just did a, a muskox hunt. And she's going to bring some meat up. So you get to try that. That's on my list. That's, I would love to get one of those too. Oh my God. I would love that. <laughs> Road trip. I know. Another one. <laughs> yeah. That'll be, that'd be fun. Like I've never tried that. And she says it's up there with caribou with the nicest meat you'll ever eat. Ooh, caribou. Which kind of surprised me. Too. What are you doing next year? I got, uh, apparently <laughs> I'm going on a caribou and a muskox hunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. Yeah, there's so many bucket list things. So what do you like the most about spending time outdoors? I know it's a broad question. not expecting you to dial it down into one thing, but I'm expecting you to dial it down into one thing. Um, it's, uh, it's almost like the zen it brings me when you can step away from any city sounds or lights um, and really just tune into to nature. It's very soothing for your soul and very grounding. Um, and I love that. One of my favorite places to be on earth where you totally, you know how like meditation is really good for you. And I do meditations every day. But the one time on earth that I'm always like completely just out of like my brain, out of my head and truly in the moment is when I'm free diving. And that zero, when you, when the gravity starts to take hold and just pull you and it's pulling you down and you're holding your breath and it's, and you hear the little clickings of the ocean. It's the most soothing thing. And like the deeper you go, obviously there's more pressure. So it's like you're getting a hug as well. Um, it's just probably the, one place on earth where I can say like I can truly like block out whatever is on like any bill or (laughs) whatever is completely out of my mind and I'm just like truly in that moment so it's you know you can also be in the woods and do that but that's my place where I think it's like a little piece of heaven where you feel amazing but it's I mean just being outdoors is it's just wonderful. I try to like, if I'm on the computer all day, like get outside and take a walk and it just like recenters you and just <laughs> makes you a better person. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Again, a commonality we, we seem to hear from every single person we talk to is there's, there's a reset button that gets pushed. You go out there and you, as, as you settle down, the woods come alive and mm-hmm. therefore you come alive on a, on a spiritual level. Yeah. And it's, it, it's something when, when, when somebody says, well, what is it that you really enjoy about being outdoors? I always say, what are you doing this weekend? Or what are you doing next weekend? Come with me. Well, I don't have a hunting license. That's fine. We don't have to hunt. We don't have to fish. Just come outside and sit for 20 minutes, half hour. And you just see that light bulb go on and, a lot of them will sit there and they'll be rigid and then you just kind of watch it melt away. And you don't realize how many microcosms are actually going on. And you're like, wow, Mm -hmm. it's, there's so much happening from bugs to the squirrels and like big animals and leaves. I mean, you, you just don't really think like the forest has all this life, but it has a crap ton of life and you just don't pay attention because when you're on your hike, you're too busy Mm-hmm. hiking to, to realize, but it's pretty yeah. awesome. I, I love sitting there, whether it be in the winter or the, the spring or the fall, you, 
as you say, things come to life. I've had more than once where squirrels or voles or uh, ermine, like little weasels, will run right across in front of you and they realize you're there and then they look at you second glance and then they continue on their way and birds will land close and it's it's like almost like what what uh, is it bambi right where mm-hmm. he's sitting there and things just start to to, to come alive Although I around watched that you movie recently and i was like oh <laughs> yeah it's it's dark <laughs> yeah. i was like oh really dark not making us look so good okay <laughs> no no it's it's really dark and when the pheasant slides up and you're like oh dear lord that's not yeah <laughs> yeah it and that's the reason where a lot of the, the negativity is pushed on us, right? Yeah. Is, is things like that glorify that part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's up until that part where the forest is alive, that's what we're after. Mm-hmm. Right? I, exactly. Some of the most successful hunts I've ever been on, the, the rifle hasn't even got out of the, uh, off the, off the sling, right? It's never come off my shoulder. I've never racked around. And some of the... I did that fly-in last year, as you know. I didn't even lower my rifle. It was just, holy, yeah. this is amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no caribou. That's the why most, I'm a but... terrible glasser. I'll be, <laughs> I'm supposed to be glassing for sheep, and I get distracted distracted by a bee. And next thing you know, I'm on the ground <laughs> with my camera, my phone, taking pictures of you know bees or something. And Jeff uh-huh. was take that. I'm like, oh, remember when we were desert sheep hunting? He's like, Weren't you supposed to be looking for sheep? Ah, oh, yeah, I got distracted. You're like, yeah, but that was beautiful, and that's beautiful. <laughs> oh yeah, I got some. She's on the desert sheep hunt, and I got getting pictures of cactus sent to me. <laughs> They're great pictures. I'm like, but what about the sheep? And then I realized again, what would I be looking at when I was there? Right, uh-huh. the sheep. The sheep is one percent of the reason you're there, mm-hmm. right? And I, I just can't say it enough it's more than the kill right and that's why that's why we do it and so being a female there's a lot of stigmas placed on you as a hunter and a lot of barriers that society seems to to want to attach so what kind of barriers did you face as an adult onset female hunter um there's actually two two big ones I would I would have to say. One was um, buying like my own ammo and the people at the store thinking like not like when I'm buying shot for my pheasant hunt or something and they're like, Are is this what your husband wants? Like, no, but it's what I want, so it, it's it's almost like a rare I d I don't know, it's really weird to walk into like an ammo shop or a gun shop and then have them discredit you just because you're a female. Um, but if I was wor- looking at like the micro guns, they'd have no problem. You know what I mean? Like the micro handguns, they'd be like, oh yeah, no problem. Okay, yeah. It's like I'm a chick and I'm going to buy this cute little gun. Um, so, but the moment you're like looking at rifles, you throw them off. So that was, that was a barrier I didn't think I would have to like, didn't even think of. And then the second barrier actually came through the, like through the, popularization of Instagram and huntresses. I didn't, I was, people put you in the, oh, you're an Instagram huntress. And I'm like, damn, I worked hard for my chef career. And now this Instagram huntress, she just goes on her Instagram page and puts chef because she made a damn casserole. It's, it's like where she discredits my all my hard work and so doing it for the likes uh, and doing really odd things for likes and then people expecting you or brands expecting you to do that as well I was like oh no hell no I'm not strapping a dead hog onto my back while I'm wearing a bikini you couldn't pay me and if you pay me five million dollars we'll we'll retalk about this but I have seen dead hogs and that there there is everything oh no hell no <laughs> and don't you think it I, I don't know about you Bree but I don't call myself a huntress. No I'm I don't a, I don't use that word. I'm, I'm a hunter. I'm, I'm just hunter. like everybody else. Yeah. And you know I wear my car hearts and it's not you know the it, if I see one more pink logo on a woman's okay. on something of a you know a woman's gear just because I want 
pants that fit me appropriately. It, you know, it, it's really, yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't, I don't use the term huntress either. Cause I just, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. It's I'm, right. I'm a hunter, not a, it's yeah. So yeah, it's genderizing it, which is interesting in this political it's climate not- <laughs> that we even do that, but. Yeah. And it's, it's not an, I am woman, hear me roar. That's not it at all. You know, yeah. I love to have the door opened for me. I love all of that, but um, just treat me as a hunter. Yeah, exactly. I'm, there needs to be nothing different. I can shoot as good as you can, probably better, um, because women tend to take better shots. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to kill shot. We don't want the, you know, we don't want to, oh, maybe. We yeah. want to open it. Exactly. You know, so treat us as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I hear you. I feel the same exact way. I don't refer to myself as a huntress either, so we got that in common. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like speaking of kill shots, I it I just scrolled through your Instagram quickly. The last dead animal you're holding is November 2021, and it's a pheasant. Uh huh. And you can scroll through and scroll through, and there's meats and there's there's tacos. Those look delicious. Um, there's a picture of me. September 2021 with a chunk of meat. That's the closest thing to a hunt ever. That was uh, the the back straps or the the tenderloins we we cooked mm-hmm. last year. So you do go outside that mold of a hunter and what people expect to see, and it's that's great. So what would you say to others who are facing those barriers? You there? I don't know what happened. That's okay. Continue. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. I didn't press anything. (laughs) (laughs) All good. So what would you say to others who are facing those type of barriers, male or female? Um, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for males because I I don't know what it's like. I could just only assume that their barriers like is just, they should just know everything when, if you've never done it, you don't know everything. But as a female, um, be, be humble and, and, ed- and get educated and fall in love with the learning process. Don't go into it. Like I'm just a badass and I can do everything. Um, you just learned so much from every hunt that you go on. And I think when you're humble and open to learning, that's probably the best thing that you could ever do because it makes you a better person, makes you a better hunter. Um, my number one priority is just being a better hunter, like placing in good shots. And I don't, do it as a perfect, I I don't, I'm not a professional hunter, so to speak, but, um, you're, you learn so much, like from a good guide, like you learn about how to track the animal, how to spot the animal, the scat, how to find it, like look for signs for them. So it's amazing to, to follow a really, really good guide when you're first starting out, because you do learn so freaking much that you would never know. I would never know like what I would never think of what bear poop looks like. And then, you know, figure out, you can figure out how far away it was or, you know, like how far away or when that poop was dropped. (laughs) But you just learn so much and you learn so much about the land. So it's be humble and be open to learn. But being humble is very, very, I think very helpful for anybody trying to not necessarily break through a barrier, but to just get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then through that, you're going to break through a barrier on doing something that you've never done. So you're breaking your own barrier. Cause I always say like, it's not, you're not competing with everybody else. It's just yourself. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what I would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, not a shock. We feel the same way. Check that ego at the door, right? You're, yeah. you're, you, you've got to learn more about yourself and more about that animal, right? It's not as simple as going out there and walking into a cut block and there's an animal waiting for you. Some people get lucky that way, but I I can tell you firsthand, the first big big game animal I shot was a moose. I was Mm -hmm. half hour from home and drove down the road and drove up Forest Service Road about 20 minutes and I dropped the moose at the edge of a cut block. It was 80 yards from from, uh, the road. I walked up to it and I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely (laughs) no idea. 
And I got lucky, maybe five minutes later, a truck came by and they saw me parked there and, and they saw me and they went, oh, what'd you get? I said, I got a, a spike bull because the only openings for uh, over-the-counter here are two point less on one side moose. And the old guy said, no, you didn't. And I said, yeah, I did. And he goes, I've been hunting here 25 years and never shot one. And I said, I've been up here about six months and this is my third time out. You're joking. And he goes, and he walks up and shakes my hand and goes, oh my God, congratulations. And he goes, do you need a hand? I said, I I need (laughs) everything. He goes, you've never shot an animal? And I said, no. And he went, what? And then he calls his wife over. This kid got, kid, because he was 70 plus. This kid got uh, a a spike bull here. It's his first big big game animal. Bring the knives. And he goes, oh, thanks. Well, what do you want me to do? And he goes, hold the leg. Hold the leg. Hold the leg. Okay. And this is what you do. And he taught me as we were going through it. And at the end, he goes, the only thing I can't do is pack it back to your truck. That's on you. And I went, no problem. So managed Mm -hmm. to get it there after a couple hours. And I, I got his phone number and I showed up about a week later after it was processed and brought him a bottle and a couple of steaks and said, thanks. And that memory sticks with me because I, I checked my ego at the door. I could have easily popped over a knife and butchered it. And like, when I mean butchered it, I mean, do it no justice, pop the gut sack. I didn't even know to use your fingers to kind of splay it open so you don't hit the, the guts. And mm-hmm. I, I just learned so much in an hour just like I said, by and you suggested, leave your ego at the door. And yeah. you, you see it every year on Facebook, unfortunately, and on Instagram where I got this animal here and we had to come back the next day because I didn't know what I was doing. And that animal has now been scavenged by wolves or coyotes or there's bone rot. And that's just a little right. bit of uh, re- refusing to do that little bit of extra work beforehand because you know it all. Right. So, right. So speaking of stuff like that, what's been your most memorable experience in the, in the field? Um, I I know usually mine are all um, on the dinner table. I would have to say, well, getting my bear for the very first time, that was amazing because it was like one shot at 276 yards and it was down. So I was like really proud of myself. Like, holy moly. <laughs> um, and then it was like, also when I was in Namibia, we also donated meat cause you can't take it back mm-hmm. to the U S to, um, orphanages. And so just to see how happy they were, um, over something you brought them like changes your life. Like these little kids are just so happy and they have nothing. And, you know, here in the U.S., our kids can get grumpy when they don't get their iPad and they don't understand <laughs> what the rest of the world is like. And they were just so happy. So it was one of those moments where you're like, wow, something that I did can feed all of them. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I hear that. So I'd say those two. Yeah, I hear that one very often about uh, the, the African excursions. People... They go there and they, they dump a ton of money into the economy and mm-hmm. they say that the hunts are amazing, but what they really connected with is doing exactly what you said and being able to go to the orphanages or the the communal areas and say, here's 200, 300, 400 pounds of meat, depending on what you've taken and watch right. the lineup and it's all smiles and grins and handshakes and hugs and high fives because you've just they, they say fed a village right it's mm-hmm. and and you get to do that and that's that connection again right we keep going right. back to that connection with connecting on a spiritual level and mm-hmm. that's as you know I lost out on a safari hunt that I won due to covid right so that was something that was ingrained in my mind that it's a road trip (laughs) let's do it that's a lot of road trips oh yeah we're gonna swing up to iceland have some whale we're gonna drop down into scotland (laughs) get a red stag and down in namibia see and then we hit argentina for some dove hunting and go up into florida let's florida colorado on there 
Oh, yeah, we'll oh, oh yeah. We'll hit Florida for some free diving for lobster. Then we'll hit Colorado to cook it all at Jan's place. That sound good? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of cooking, <laughs> that Terry ties me right into your favorite recipes. What's your favorite wild game recipe? Oh my God. I know. No pressure. <laughs> um, considering I've written what over 500 mm-hmm. so far now, I think. Yep. Um, my God, I have to pick one. Can we narrow it down to like which wild game? Sure. Um, deer. What's your favorite deer recipe? Deer? Yes. Uh, Isn't that the first thing you got? Was an axis? That's the first thing I got. Um, I really do like eating pheasant, though. So like, it's actually one of my, I think it's like the underdog. Um, I'm actually allergic to turkey. So for Thanksgiving, I always cook. I'll, I'll cook a pheasant. And usually it's only me, but some, some people will try it and they realize, oh, my God, it's amazing. Why? Oh, no. Um, so that, I love cooking pheasant. Um my favorite deer recipe, oh gosh, this depends like if I am, how, it, it depends, okay, I'm going to give a, a couple of them, because if I'm feeling like I really want to rock out in the kitchen and have a really great time, my, my, me and my daughter's thing is we just like listen to music and we dance and we cook something, so if it's going to be more laborious, I'm going to make handmade pasta and with like a slow cooked ragu, um, because then you get to eat it for days and it tastes so much better. I know it's something so simple, but oh my God, when you make handmade pasta, it just changes everything. It is out of, I've made very chefy dishes and out of all of them, that's like what I would want to make at home. And then like I make a pot pie that I actually put brie cheese in, (laughs) go figure. And um, I make it with pheasant and venison and it's amazing. It's like uber comfort food. So and then anything I freaking you put it in a taco, tacos are my jam. So <laughs> you can't really be a taco. Um, it sounds so. I feel like I'm like not giving like the best answer, but those are like things that like I would eat myself. You know what I mean? Because I'm not always gonna cook like a beautiful Bernays sauce with like my pan roasted venison backloin, your backstrap. You know, it's like that. We don't always cook like that at home, so. It's like the comfort foods where anything I can do like with my family while cooking makes me so happy. Something yep. simple is better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, guess guess what uh, me and the kid are making tonight? Popeye. Tacos. Oh, tacos? <laughs> oh, we had tacos yesterday. Yeah, she's got it on there. She says, Kay makes tacos. So I asked her what she wanted and we grabbed some moose out and she's got a little list that we need to go get some stuff. So... Thinking about, do, thinking about doing that and a, a huckleberry cheesecake tonight. I think that'd be good. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm... You go all balls to the wall with dessert. I don't even, I didn't even do that. Oh. Time. We had uh, very... tacos, but no dessert. <laughs> very rare. It, it, your, your dream dessert, though, I know, is like two or three sour cream glazed donuts from Tim Hortons with a, London, know, with a London fog. <laughs> Right, that's oh god, I see? know. Oh, those are freaking like I can't go to Canada without like stuffing my face with Tim Horton sour cream oh. donuts and yeah, London fogs. Or if I'm gonna go crazy because I, I my body doesn't like dairy, I will have the the regular coffee, like half and half. Is that double, how you double. say it? Double double. I'm sorry. Yeah, you gotta say it. I, I can't say it right. It's not. It's not the same. Uh, I'll make sure I'm not bringing oh, you a coffee. Oh, good. Coffee at eight o'clock at night. But my favorite, oh god, my favorite dessert, that's like making me choose like my favorite pet. Um, I mean, cake, I freaking love cake. Yeah, cake, anytime. Tiramisu, Mm. yeah, good tiramisu. It's hard to pass that up. It's hard to pass that up. Yeah, (laughs) did you ever see the video, Jan? I I actually was it last year, I sent Bree some vacuum sealed. Uh, Tim Hortons, <laughs> Tim Hortons donuts. Stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She literally tore into it. She's messaging me. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. They're so good. Yeah, they're a little squishy. But I, I requested that them. Steve have them in the car when he comes to pick us up from the airport. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably just leave a trail of them in the airport to the truck. Yeah. <laughs> Meet me here. Follow the trail. <laughs> yeah. While we're on the topic of recipes, let's dig into your books a little bit. Tell people about mm-hmm. 
pump yourself up. I love the two books. Uh, They're amazing. Oh, thank you. They're amazing. Thank you. I have two wild game cookbooks. Um, the complete wild game cookbook. The first one, it is uh, multi-species. So, I mean, I have everything in there from squirrel to bear, um, moose, elk, deer, venison, pheasants, grouse, um, all of that waterfowl, upland game. Mm-hmm. And I also have um, more gamey type fish like pike and freshwater fish like that. And I do also have some seafood recipes uh, for saltwater fish as well. So it's really like your one-stop shopping for wild game. So like no matter what you're hunting, there's a recipe in there for you, um, which was very fun and laborious to write um, because it's a beast. I think it has over 350 something recipes in it. And then um, the Easy Venison Cookbook is a really fun cookbook because yes, it is all in venison, but I also give you um, easy recipe swaps that you can do with venison, with uh, wild game or store-bought, but it's really truly breaking it down and showing how you can incorporate venison into everyday meals, which I really love. So like showing you that you don't need a special occasion to bust out your venison. And I wanted to show people how to easily incorporate it. So I have like some recipes that are five ingredients or less. Um, I have some that are 20 minutes or less. You can cook in 20 minutes. I also have like instant pot um, recipes so you can do the version in instant pot just to make it easier. So that one is just really trying to expose people who may not love to cook laborious recipes. Not that the complete wild game has truly laborious recipes. There are some that are like longer, but the easy venison truly breaks it down to make it so simple so that you can taste delicious food with wild game in your home and not make it so, um, scary, so to speak, I guess like, you know, or uh, intimidating, kind of just take that factor out. So. Oh yeah, I've, I've had both books. Well, how long have they been out? I've had them like within the first month of them coming out. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, hi, Remy. Whining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I told you, my my uh, meatloaf recipe is taking a back seat. The, the, the kids always <laughs> make breeze meatloaf, make breeze meatloaf. I'm like, oh really? Thanks, kid. But oh, I mean, nothing beats a good meatloaf. No, I mean, right? It doesn't we love it the next day? I like to cut it into chunks and then fry it for sandwiches. Then, oh, I put it in sandwiches. Oh, yes, with mayo. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Duke's mayonnaise. Oh. Duke's mayonnaise. Yeah, you got. Oh, you got to have. You got to have it with mayo. I'm out of Duke's mayonnaise. On the bread. I'm out. Duke's mayo. I'm out of sure. Duke's. Yeah. Just saying. I know. Well, I'll bring I can't. So I went, Chan. I went to send send Steve Duke's mayo, which I've gotten smaller jars. But then I went to Costco and bought him the nine pound jar of um, Duke's mayo, and uh, I said it was like a gift on my, you know, the customs form, and they sent it back to me because <laughs> it had egg product in it, apparently, oh. and you can't send that across the border. <laughs> but then like, the smaller jars are fine. I, yeah. I, I was like, oh. So I still have nine pounds of mayo oh, so wh- in my house. So <laughs> where, do, where do people find your books? Um, wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble. Um, from my, my website points you to the right direction. Yeah, anywhere books are sold. And in Canada. Yep. You can get them on mm-hmm. Canada. JP's got the books, Jan. They're, he loves them. I have the venison one. See, there you go. And it's, there you go. I was raised that way. So it's always interesting um, to, you know, when you're talking about incorporating it. I remember being a kid and it was, uh, you know, you were incorporating beef or chicken because mm-hmm. you just automatically always had antelope or deer and then, you know, some years elk. And so it was really interesting to, to see that and to read that originally. And, you know, we kind of laughed. We were like, isn't that crazy to think that, you know, not everybody grew up on venison. Right. Exactly. <laughs> While we're on the topic of food, I guess it's the perfect time to drop that. We've got a collaboration. What did you call it? Dude food? Dude food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you did some incredible recipes for us and. Incredible dude. recipes. Oh, oh. yeah. I think there's tacos in there too, isn't there? Yeah, there's tacos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pork belly, pork, pork belly tacos. Pork belly tacos. Wild, I use wild boar, but you can use pork yeah. belly. So yeah, yes. yeah, delicious. 
Oh yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, and the burger. I did a burger, right? Yeah, you did. And then I showed you how to do the perfect steak. Oh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Perfect steaks on there, and. Yeah. Yeah, those those are gonna be on the website shortly. We didn't want to put them out without formally getting a chance to announce them. I'm excited to get them out there because. Uh, yeah, it's like get your gluttony on. They're oh. so easy to make, but. You will be the star of your party if you make them because everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, <laughs> that was so good. I need to go sit on the sofa for oh, I'm good. an hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. So, yeah, we'll get them on the website and we'll start dropping them through our social. We'll tag you and we'll, we'll, t- we'll I, I, I tend to hashtag you almost daily. So <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we're excited to get those I going. I have multiple people checking it, so I apologize, like, that's fine. Um, I know how to get a hold of people, you. <laughs> yeah. I know some people are like, "Why don't you answer your Instagram messages?" Well, I have other people who check my Instagram for me too, so I don't. Uh, so it's sometimes I I miss something. Oh, I, I can tell when it's you and when it's not you. <laughs> it's easy. I'm like, okay, that's not her. That's that's one of her assistants. Thank you for. I don't know. Thank you for reaching out. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> So we only got a couple more minutes left in the hour. So bucket list. What is it? Hunting. Is this hunting, hunting or just in general? Hunting or fishing. Bucket list. Hunting or fishing. Um, bucket list is uh, a caribou. And fishing is to spear a, um, a bluefin tuna. I, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of like you that. you had to choose between hunt, fish, forage. <laughs> oh fish wait <laughs> is it spearfishing we have to narrow it down or is it just a pole if it's just if i just have to fish with a pole then i'm going to say hunting it was the only thing you could do you couldn't you couldn't do anything besides hunt fish or forage i mean you could still, you could still like buy vegetables or I could spearfish though, right? Sure. That's yeah. Then I'd fish. Yeah, because that's technically hunting under the water. I see what you're doing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Getting, as they say, getting two birds. I had to fish forever with a pole. I wouldn't want to do yeah. it. I thought then... that was a pretty easy question. Not for her. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not an easy question. Yeah. And I really like truffles, so no, it's not easy. No, definitely not. So, last question: <laughs> What does your fall look like? What's on your bu- My fall. What's on your, your um, hit list for hunting? I got a dove hunt coming up, and then um, I have a hunt with some guy for a moose. Yeah, I should, <laughs> I should check the dates on that, right? Where, yep. When are you doing the dove hunt? hunt? Next weekend. You, you don't seem sure about that. <laughs> the te- because I don't even. It's September first already. It is. That season started today in Colorado. It was strange. I was walking the dogs and heard shots, and I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, we don't have that up here. Yeah, then I remembered it was dove season started this morning. So it's on the 10th. So 10 days. I know today's the first. So in 10 days. Where's that? <laughs> um, here in Georgia. Oh, okay. And like like yep. doves as in like pigeons? Like we don't have that here in BC. You don't have doves? Not like doves that, no. Doves. Well, I mean, they're not a pigeon, yeah. but it's a dove. But it's like squab? It's a smaller bird. Like a squab oh, type a thing? Dove. I don't. I... No, it's a dove. The only doves we see are the ones on TV that are I'll the big white photo. ones. The big white ones. <laughs> That's the only thing we know is Oh, no. They're, like, gray, and they're, like, smaller than a quail. Really? Sometimes. Yeah, they're small. They're not They're not big. They're, like, gray, and um, they're, yeah, they're, I'll send you a photo. Okay, yeah. I'll send you some. Time. Yeah, we. Oh, I'll try to send you. I don't know if I can. We have quail, but they're in the Okanagan, so that's about six hours south of me. Oh, okay. But they're they're tiny little things. And uh, I, I yeah, the, these doves are tiny. I like the name. I, I like what they the quail. They, they almost sound like they're saying ham, potato when they're talking. I know, right? yeah, potato. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, but never never hunted them. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, doves. I always hear people talking about it and how much fun it is, but never done it. And the only place I know to dove hunt, well, other. Oh than, well, you need to come down here because um, Remy and I are getting into upland game. Oh, for, well, should we were we. I got her on birds when she was really little and then you know, like COVID and life hit and there's a kid and then you have a kid and everything kind of slows down. So now my new mission is my one big, I guess another big bucket list hunt is I want to take um, Remy 
her and I on a road trip to the Dakotas to hunt wild pheasant because she's six now. So I really want to get, get her up there while she's still young and going. And, and I just want it to be a mommy daughter trip and just have (laughs) so much fun because she loves the car. And, um, that's something I really want to do is because something about hunting with your own dog is the most fun thing ever. Like it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Never had a chance to do that other than in my previous career, I used to hunt bad guys with my dog, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> so, well, at least it was for the greater good. Exactly. <laughs> Depends who you ask, I suppose, right? <laughs> so anyway, that, that wraps up an hour. That was awesome. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. Oh, we'll do it again. Maybe in, I don't know, After November your or moose something. Hunt. I'm After so jealous. Hunt. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. All about your moose hunt. We'll do a whole yeah. episode just on your moose I would love to. Oh, my God. We will have so much to talk about. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> You'll have to tell all the stories about Steve. <laughs> I, oh, I will. Oh, he's more like, Bree does this. Oh. Bree does this. And I'm like, you do it, too. I, I, I fed her 38 packs of gluten-free Oreos, and she was just gone for a week. <laughs> just buzzing. <laughs> oh, you love me. I love you, friend. <laughs> you got me the gluten-free. Exactly. I appreciate I remember. that. It's the small things. I remember. <laughs> although i will sacrifice it for the the donuts i will blow up like a whale but for there's a reason i'm I'm gonna there's a reason we're not gonna head out on the hunt for for a day after i give you those i'm thinking i'm thinking i mean nothing it's like i'm fine i just look like a whale i look (laughs) like i'm pregnant it's like gluten the instant gluten hits me it's like bam (laughs) Awesome. It's a food baby. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, (laughs) you guys have a great day. Thanks again, Bree. Thanks. Take care.